Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast brought to you by Cracked Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin. A little bit of a technical note before we begin. Normally, you're used to hearing my high-pitched alto voice via the microphone. Unfortunately, or I suppose, again, fortunately for me, I am in Philadelphia this weekend celebrating the wedding of a very close family friend. So if my audio sounds a little bit off today, that's the reason why. But of course, we couldn't leave you high and dry. We know our all of our eyes at Cracked Rackets these past couple of weeks have been focused on the NCAA tournament. We had a tremendous team result with Stanford taking the women title, I believe their second in a row, and of course, Texas winning their first national title in program history. We're also well aware that the individual singles and doubles matches will resolve today. I believe it's Nuno versus, I want to say Paul Jubb of South Carolina. I know it's Jokic versus Perez of Miami on the women's side. Not sure exactly who's playing in the doubles, but shout out to my Michigan uh, doubles team of Kate Fahey and Brianne Miner for making the doubles final on the women's side. That being said, We are well aware of what is on the horizon. The French Open kicking off tomorrow in Paris. uh, Two weeks, second Grand Slam of the year. You know the deal. We at Crack Rack. It's so excited, and now all of our eyes are turned there. What we're going to be doing today, providing a bit of a preview for you uh, for the men's draw. I'm going to be doing both a top half preview and a bottom half preview. We're going to try and spread those out over two episodes. So, you know, if you can't catch it all at once, of course, don't feel overwhelmed. You're going to have plenty of opportunities to listen to all of this. Joining me to break down the top half of the draw, he is the known host of our Wednesday Mini Break podcast, a known personality in our Cracked Rackets universe, and the proud, uh, I want to say founder, working on Project Elite, a really cool Cracked Rackets program we hope to be getting out to the public soon. James Foster McDonald, welcome back to the show. Thank you. That was long-winded, but I will take it. It's good to be back with GSP Action for you, so that's all good. Look, you know when it's me and you, I'm going to go out of my way to make it as long as possible, keep you uncomfortable. That's what she said. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I missed you too. Well, it's good to have you back. Uh, Even before we get into the French Open stuff, let's get this out of the way early. Any, uh, Any D3, any college thoughts? Oh, wow. Um, no, I mean, I'm just happy to get off this pod here in a bit and watch the final, but you already covered all of that. I mean, D3, you see Emery won it again. Um, not that much of a surprise on the men's side there, but more individual action happening. And so it's always fun to watch. Got to love the live streaming that NCAA actually puts up this time of the year. That's something that can be appreciated. (laughs) But, um, yeah, other than that, it just kind of makes you sad that you can't watch it the rest of the year, but no, it's all good. And it's a lot of fun. Am I crazy or were the Denison women pretty good this year? I mean, they weren't terrible. They actually had their uh, they had one dub, one dubs team um, go through an NCAA's. Um, actually, I didn't even get to see if they won because NCAA when they uploaded the draw, accidentally whoever did it uploaded <laughs> the 2018 PDF. Oh, of course. Um, and so I checked. I told them good luck before the match, and then I went to check if they won or lost, and uh, then it was 2018 instead of 2019. <laughs> so I seriously don't even know if they won. I assume since because I didn't hear they they ended up losing, but either way, yeah, classic NCAA there, but. Anyway, we've got too much Roland Garris action to you know spend talking about the NCAA here. Yeah, and you know for any of that NCAA content, check out our earlier GSP, GSPs from the week. Check out our mini break. Chris Haliors and I talked about the individual tournament at length. But yes, that being said, 
Uh, let's talk a little bit of French Open. As I mentioned, Jamie and I today are going to be talking about the top half of the draw. We'll talk about the seeds we think are in the most trouble, the dark horse candidates we think are going to make a run, and of course, we'll make some predictions for you at the end. But let's start with the most interesting first-round matchups. I mean, Jamie, you look. At, we'll, we'll start with the Novak Djokovic quarter. You look at this section of the draw. I mean, it is loaded. From the get-go, we're going to be uh, treated to some excellent tennis. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just go down the line here, and of course, we're we're used to being spoiled with first and second round match um, matchups in Masters 1000s. But man, you look to Roland Garros here. There's a lot of matches that are not gimmies, even for you know bigger seeds here. So that's awesome to see. I mean, we can start all the way at the top. Djokovic, her catch. I mean, I'm I'm expecting a good one there. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And even before we get into individual matchups, in terms of just the, you know, throughout the draw, it seems like there are a ton of matchups where either guy could win. I feel like we entered this French Open, and I don't want to say in a little bit of flux. We should mention Novak Djokovic has won the last three majors in singles competed in on the men's side. So he has the chance to complete his second no-lay slam. Obviously, that would be an incredible feature. But you look at some of the absences in the draw this week. No Kevin Anderson, no John Isner, no Tomas Burdich, no Milos Raonic, no Andre Rublev. And then obviously at the last moment, no Nick Kyrgios. Mm-hmm. I guess the reason I bring that up our, we saw Nadal and Djokovic make that final in, I, I want to say, Rome or Madrid. So they obviously, and they will continue to be the favorites whenever they're in the draw. But would you say it's slightly more open this year than in the past? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's it's open and, you know, sort of get into a third round or something like that. Um, you know, anytime you can sort of dodge those big guys, uh, Kyrgios, your Anderson, Raonic, um, any of those guys... Of course, that opens up it a little bit, but at the end of the day, you're still going to have to get through the Giants on clay. So if you're wanting to make a deep, deep run here, you're going to run into your Djokovic's and your Nadal's, of course. And so I think regardless of the other guys in this, they're still expected to sort of close this one out. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, we've seen so many young guys throughout this first third of the year, I'll say, make, uh, their, make their names known on the ATP Tour, making 250 finals or 500 quarterfinals, thousands, uh, you know, round of 16s. And yeah, the the first match to me, the most interesting first round matchup, uh, Hubert Hercatch, obviously he's a re- uh, risen up to number 43 in the world, age 22. He faces Novak Djokovic in the first round. This is going to be their first head-to-head matchup on the professional tour. Any upset alert there? I mean, it's definitely possible. I don't think it's um, I don't think it's the one that I would point to to say for sure. Obviously, Djokovic is going to come in a lot more confident, tons more experience at a stage like this, you know, especially for a matchup where there's not really ex- experience between the two. Um, that's going to be difficult for her catch. But, man, this guy can play. And we've seen some really good play from him on the clay as well. So Djokovic, I mean, he's got to come ready to play. But, I mean, in his mind, I don't think he feels in danger. See, I'm going to give you a slight counterpoint. I agree with you on the Djokovic not in danger. But why I think, in particular, it's just a bad surface for uh, our boy Hubie. You look at what he's done on the clay. Lost 7-5 in the third first round Monte Carlo. Loses round of 32 uh, to Balas. I don't even know who that is. The number 246-ranked player in the world. Uh, 6-3, 6-4, first round there. Makes the round of 16 in Madrid before losing to Alex Zverev in a third and to be honest, in 2019, a loss to Alex Zverev. Not the most impressive thing for someone who's trying to beat Novak Djokovic. Then he loses first round three sets of qualifying in the Rome Masters. It's probably a year too soon to see him do this sort of upset. But, I mean, 
Yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely one of the more entertaining day one matches. Yeah, no, that's fair. I will say, I mean, go to Madrid is mostly what I was referencing, but I mean, he looked pretty good there. He beat yeah. Damon Hour pretty easily. He took out Grenelliers like 0-2, took out Puy, went 3 with Zverev. I mean, I, I don't know. Needless to say, Djokovic definitely the favorite in this one. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, then you look through the rest of this top half of the draw, particularly in the Djokovic quarter, and I mean... You know, if Djokovic wins, he would have a potential dangerous second-round matchup with Sam Query, who, if he's able to get by his qualifier in the first round, we know Sam with his serve, with what he can do, three out of five sets, always someone uh, who's dangerous. But the match I would really enjoy in this Djokovic section now, he has a long way to get there. He faces your doppelganger, Jill Simone, potentially in the second round. Uh, But Jaume Munar, who has a qualifier in the first round against Caruso, he would then match up with the winner of Stakovsky or Jill Simone. I feel like for him to make the third round of this tournament, that should be the expectation. Yeah, no, it should. And I mean, he's... He's shown us that he can really bring it on the clay. I mean, that's that's a great surface for him. Um, now, granted, once we get to that third-round matchup against Djokovic, you're playing Djokovic, so that's tough. But no, you're right. In his mind, he should absolutely expect to get to that Djokovic match. Yeah, and I think we've seen, you know, I don't need to recap this for you, but for our listeners who are a little bit less aware of Munar, he has had a tremendous clay season thus far. Now you look at what he's done uh, in terms of some of his results, made the quarterfinal at at the Grand Prix in in Monte Carlo. Yes, he loses second round, but he had Borna Chorich on the brink in that match. In Barcelona, he beats Tiafo, ends up losing to Dominic Thiem, obviously not a bad loss. I mean, this is he loses three sets to Kachanov in Madrid. This is a guy who's so proficient on the clay. His sur- uh, the surface just seems to work so well for him. His movement, just how physical he's able to make matches. And I think the thing I'm most excited about for Munar in this instance is we really haven't had the chance to see him play in that many Grand Slams at this point. This will only be his second professional French Open, and you know, last year he made the second round. So now that he's got a little bit more experience under his belt. You know, you hope that that will help his level. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, you saw, you've seen just his progression even since you know the next gen finals, um, and you've seen how that's helped his confidence. And this is the first time you're right that he's on a stage like this at the level that he really needs to be at. And so I think this is going to be really exciting. Yeah, and you know, I feel like we are overlooking Jill Simone, obviously an incredible player in his own right, but I just don't see him quite on. The, or I guess I don't see him hurting Munar in any particular way. He doesn't have a go-to shot that he would use to uh, you know, just keep Munar on his back foot, so I feel like he'd really be able to establish himself in that one. I would say in this top quarter, Munar is my unseeded player that I like to go furthest. Uh, would you agree with that? Mm, I mean, I don't know. I think you could also make a case for Struff. I mean, look right down below in the draw. Struff. Um, he has to take on Shapovalov, which is tough. But I mean, we've seen Struff, man. He shows up with he shows up with just wacky results sometimes. I mean, look, he beat Shapovalov in three back in Monte Carlo a few tournaments ago. So we know he can beat him. Um, and and then if you look a little bit further into that, you know, he's what he's got Albot or Sandgren, and then one more would be uh, eventually Chorch would come up, and that would be a difficult match for him in that third round. You know, so that's difficult, obviously. But um, I mean, Struff, man, that that guy can hit the ball, um, and if he's <laughs> dictating play well with his forehand, you know, he can hit people off the court. Um, and so I like him. It's just it's just a matter of consistency, right? I mean, that's why he hasn't been at the top because Peak Struff is is easily a top twenty player in my mind, but. 
he just hasn't been able to string those results together over and over. I'm not really sure if peak Stroof is a thing. The guy's 29 years old, ranked 44. I just I, what is that peak? I mean, yes, you're right. When he's hitting through the ball, he can hit. Well, his out. best. We've seen him at his best. <laughs> yeah, and that's we what sh- peak means, right? Well, <laughs> that's true. But I'm just saying it's not like he's known for this peak level. I guess yeah, when he plays his best tennis, he's going to be very good. But on that individual level you talk about Struff earlier in this year in Monaco he beats Shapovalov on the clay 5-7-6-3-6-1 so these are two play- players who know each other's game have seen each other recently I guess and we, we can move uh, down the draw a little bit further but would you say as a seed Shapovalov on upset alert I would say so yeah that's a dangerous first round for sure um, I also I think, think San- if, if he gets that through if he gets through that I think he's a little more comfortable until Chorich but yeah but what about Sandgren, too? I mean, Tennis Sandgren is a guy as good on clay as any American, at least. You know, he made a couple of challenger finals on the surface in the run-up to the French Open wildcard challenge that Tommy Paul ended up winning. Now, of course, the French Open is not, you know, a challenger-level event, but the way Sandgren came through qualifying so easily, I think he's another guy in this section who you have to look at and think that's a dangerous player. You know, Dennis Shapovalov, good, not great on clay thus far. Um Obviously, he's got a ton of weapons, but just the way Sandgren will be able to make any match he plays so physical, uh, he's a guy I'm certainly watching on that top half of the Djokovic quarter. But I, and I do want to talk about the other quarter as well, but it's crazy to me that we've gone this far, and we haven't mentioned the fact that Novak Djokovic in his quarter matches up with number five seed Alex Zverev. Now, even juicier than that beforehand, before Nick Kyrgios ended up pulling out, I believe he was matched up with Cam Nori a couple of slots above that. So we had the potential for a Zverev Kyrgios third round matchup. Now that's no longer the case, but you look mm-hmm. through that section of the draw, uh, still plenty of interesting names. Fabio Fognini obviously got his first master's title earlier this year. He's in this portion. We've got Federico Del Bonis versus Guillermo Garcia Lopez, Taylor Fritz, who I think made a semifinal uh, this week on the clay versus Bernard Tomic. That'll just be I'll say this, for Fritz, if you're going to want to draw any player, you want Bernard Tomic, not a guy who's going to take that much time away from you. Fritz is going to have plenty of chances in that match, so I think it's a great first-round matchup for him. Steve Johnson, RBA, you have to imagine RBA, the heavy favorite, just given Johnson's form. I know he got a couple of wins last week, but just has not been playing that well. Um, I guess that was a lot of me talking, just in in your opinion, bottom half of this Djokovic quarter, what do you see? I mean, it's interesting, right? Like Zverev, uh, of course, we revisit the conversation of Zverev and majors every single time we see him in a draw. Um, <laughs> I'm know, trying not to, to do that right now. Fair. But when you look at his, I mean, I think he does have a tough first round. I think John Millman's not someone you want to draw ever, just generally speaking. I mean, sure. I, we've seen what he's been able to do to some of the big names here. But if you look at this draw, I mean, realistically, if Zverev gets through that first round, I mean – you would expect him to sort of waltz through the next couple of rounds, right? Uh, or do you not? Well, here's the thing. So Zirov right now, as we are recording this podcast, playing a third set versus Nikolas Jerry in the Geneva Open final. Now, I think playing that event, despite being as close to the French Open as it is, was brilliant for Zirov because not only is he accumulating some po- some desperately needed points, but he's also gotten much uh, uh, the chance to accumulate some confidence as well this week. You know, he's got a couple of wins under his belt now. Obviously, Jari, a very good clay player. We've seen him have a ton of success, particularly, I believe, last year uh, in the South America stretch. But yeah, I mean... The draw opens up nicely for Zverev. Blas Rola, former Ohio State NCAA champion, Mikhail Yimmer, 
hard-hitting, talented, young Swedish player. Not the easiest second round, but certainly, you know, sure. you, you, you're you happy to see that as opposed to sure. you know, a potential Kyrgios. And just look just look for me for a second. I don't know what view you're looking at the draw on, but look how many qualifiers are right exactly. in his section. Exactly. I mean, is that, what? wait, one, two, three, four with it, yeah. that he could hit potentially before the third round? Am I yeah. looking at the right? Uh, I yes. mean, he couldn't play four matches between right. the third round, but yes. No, I'm saying there are four qualifiers that he could potentially yeah, hit I'm going just, to the You would have said round. that to me. So, you know, I got to do it back to you. I, I wouldn't have, but that's fine. <laughs> there are, there are, I'm saying I'm looking at the draw, and there are four letter Qs. Yes, that's I agree. Rola, Yimmer, Ben, Cherie. Uh, sorry if I got that wrong. And Montiero, although Diego Montiero, incredibly talented Brazilian player, although he's got the deuce first round as well. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure in Alex Virov's head, given the lack of success he's had at least – um, week in, week out on tour. This is the draw you want, Ben. Hundred yeah, percent. And Millman physically—that's a tough match, I guess. Do you think Zvira, if, if assuming he, you know, win or lose against Jari today, you think he still feels confident um, that he made that decision to play the week before? I don't know. Um, I think. I mean, obviously, if he wins it, yes. If he loses it, <laughs> no. Um, from a confidence standpoint, because he loses it, you'd be like, wow, yeah, I waste all this time and energy. Like you said, it's third set right now, right? Uh, um, six all, I believe. Yeah, Good. and so it, a tougher match there, going long against Millman, someone who's going to you know, use all the energy and try to make you use yours as well. So that's that's a little tough, but yeah, if he wins, he's going to come out and say, yeah, that was the right decision probably. So unless something happens or if he strains something or something like that. But no, for the most part, I think that's fine. If it boosts his confidence, great. That's That's all the more. Yeah, well, you look at some of the seeds in this section of the draw. We mentioned number nine seed Fognini, uh, number 30 seed Deuce on the Deuce. We've got, obviously, Zverev, the five seed. Of those three seeds, which is the most – oh, Roberto Bautista Agut also seeded. I'm not sure exactly what because his last name is too long. He is the something seed. Uh, but of those players, any of them on upset alert for you? I mean, I think – I think you could say Batista Agut is potentially on upset alert. Uh, maybe not the first round, but the second round, definitely. Um, I think Fritz, if Fritz is playing well and is serving as well as we've seen him um, the last couple of weeks, I think he can be really dangerous. Batista Agut, um, as you mentioned, I think is certainly the favorite to get through Steve Johnson first, but he got another American hopefully waiting for him in the second round. Bautista Gut six and zero all time versus Stevie though the two have yeah. never the two have never played on uh, on clay although I should say of those six wins four of them have gone oh no, no one of them was a grand slam but three of them have gone to three sets they played at the 2014 Wimbledon that match went to four sets so it's not as though Stevie doesn't know what he's up against in the RBA uh, portion of that draw or what he's up against in an opponent like RBA. We didn't mention Fritz at all. We should say for, for Fritz, he comes off of a semifinal this week in, I believe, I want to say Lyon is where he was playing. Uh, yep, he was at the Lyon Open. In this in this week, he beats Yuri Vesely, former world junior, number one, five and six, gets a default from Gasquet, beats RBA, as we mentioned, six seven six three six four, then loses to Benoit Paire, who ended up winning the tournament. For Taylor Fritz, I mean, for him to make the second weekend, he would have to beat, or the second week, he would have to beat, you know, RBA and Fognini. So that might be too high of a stretch. But similar to Munar, you know, third round should be the goal for Fritz, right? Yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're looking at his, he's looking at this draw right now. And I think, obviously, you don't want to look ahead too much. But yeah, I mean, he's thinking, all right, I'm there. Then second round, I'm playing someone I just beat. You know, I should be able to do the same. And then there we go, and we're in the third round. So I think you're right. 
Yeah, I, I, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, Taylor Fritz, I, I believe he made a final at the Junior French Open. That was the one he lost to Tommy Paul. He's said repeatedly in media interviews that he feels very comfortable on clay, that they, he thinks he can help shift the narrative that Americans aren't comfortable on the surface, which we don't have to litigate that right now, Jamie. But I guess to, to wrap up the final thoughts on this quarter, and as I mentioned, we go from in this quarter from Djokovic uh, all the way down to Zverev. Who do you have emerging in the, to the semifinals? In this? Actually, tell me your two quarterfinalists, and then who do you have from the semifinals of this quarter? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, who, who I think is actually going to emerge from this quarter, I think it's going to be Djokovic. I know that's <laughs> boring, but I think it's just, especially if he gets to that her catch match with relative ease. I mean, if, you've just, if you just track down the rest of his um, sort of draw from there, he's going to look good. Um, I mean, seriously, unless he runs into Chorich, a really informed Chorich could maybe give him some trouble. But even then, he's still a very heavy favorite. Yeah. Um, from there, I, I don't know. I think you obviously got to keep Zverev in the conversation. Like I said, his draw opens up really, really nicely, especially after he gets to that first round. So I think he's going to be on that other side. The only p- other potential one I would say um, besides Zverev would be Flamini coming from uh, that other side of the draw. You like, is assuming, you know, that's a very... Matt Stachowiak ass prediction, thinking all the seeds will hold form. But let's say Zvirovin Fognini. Let's say do all it. of the seeds. I no, said no, no. Djokovic. No, the top three seeds. I'm, I'm not. I'm not insinuating yeah. that. But I'm just saying, let's say Zvirovin Fognini do match up. Now they played in Monte Carlo this year. Fognini beat him seven six six one. Really, a tale of two completely different sets. Fognini in that match, if I remember correctly, just kind of woke up like halfway through mm-hmm. that first set and turned it on. Would you have Fognini as the slight favorite in that one? Probably not. I mean, I, I know like it's, that answer. I, I probably not. I mean, I know that's that might be the more popular answer at the moment, just because Fognini has looked so good, and he does have, like you said, that um, that last win over Zverev. But I mean, it's still Alexander Zverev, and he's very good on the clay. And you know, of course, we've given him trouble for lackluster results in majors thus far. But no, I still think you got to pick him. And if Fonini comes out and lights up the court, so be it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. If I was to give a prediction, I, I agree. I think I'm going to end up picking Novak Djokovic to win this tournament. You just three out of five. If you're betting against him, you're foolish. But for me, I would love to see as many next-gen players get a shot at Djokovic as possible. That would mean Munar yeah. in the third round, Chorch in the fourth round, Zverev in the quarterfinals. To me, that's like that's that you know that's tennis porn. That's all I'm looking to see. Okay, well there you go. Yeah, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll let you watch that by yourself. Yeah, please do, and you'll hear me talk about it hopefully all week long on our mini break as we will be covering this friendship. The mini break was really built for these Grand Slam weeks, so we are very much looking forward to getting on those um, all week long. But all right, with that, you ready to talk about our other quarter? Yep. All right, let's do it. Obviously, we are talking about still top half of the draw, second side. You look at the the biggest seeds in this portion, number four seed, Dominic Team. A fascinating first round match with U.S. Open wild card or U.S. Open French Open wild card challenge winner Tommy Paul. Um, but hold that thought because we'll talk about that in a little bit. But you're looking oh at the other seeds: number 28 seed Kyle Edmund, number 23 seed Fernando Verdasco, 14 seed Gael Monfils, who obviously started this year with such incredible form, but has had a little bit of nagging injury since then. Although, did you see today there's a practice session between Monfils and Kachanov, and Monfils went over oh, the net post? That. that was the most gorgeous shot. 
But yeah, that was yeah, that was that was nice. Yeah. I did see that. That was funny. And then Hatchinov kind of gave him a fake little, almost pegged him. Yeah, he tried to fake him as he was running across. That was good. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of which, also in this section, Karen Kachinov, uh, and then the last uh, Luca Pui, the number twenty-two seed, who really up and down year since that Australian Open semifinal. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the other seed, Juan Martin Del Potro, the number eight seed now. Those are the seeds, and they're all fascinating. But you look at some of the floaters in this section of the draw, and I mean, it is dark horse central. You've got, for Del Potro, he's playing Lyon finalist Nicolas Jerry in the first round. And I believe Jerry beat Chilich in a Grand Slam. Maybe it wasn't Chilich. Maybe it was, it was so, he beat someone big hitting as well. I mean, we've seen what Nicholas Jerry is capable of, so that's a fun match. Nishiona uh, Mackie McDonald, must-see first-round match. And then, you know, equally impressive, though, FAA in this section of the draw, and Max Rothman, if he were here, would say, oh, you know, I predicted FAA to make the semifinals of a major this year, so I'm going to take him to go here, but a lot of interesting players. I would say this quarter, one of the more wide-open quarters of the draw. Yeah, for sure. You especially start at the at the bottom of this quarter for me. I mean, of course, I'm always going to be rooting Del Pocho. He's back on the court, which is great to see, but yeah, he's got sort of a gauntlet to get through here. I mean, just tons of dangerous names. You looked at it, he's got Jerry that first round, then probably you would probably say Mackey. Then after that, you've either got, you probably got FAA or a veteran, <laughs> probably FAA though. And then after that, I mean, it can be any of, it could be Hatchinov, it could be Luka Pui. I mean, he's got a lot of danger to go through. And for FAA, we should also, he played a tournament this week. He uh, made the final, not in Lyon, uh, or maybe it was. It, yeah, it was Lyon. Lyon. He lost in the finals. He made the fi- yeah, he made the finals in Lyon as well. So you have to wonder for him, a guy who it seems like is constantly having nagging injuries, what, what he, I mean, not nagging as in long-term debilitating, but he's always got something sore on him. Um, so you have to wonder for him how he's going to be feeling physically coming into this. But yeah, I mean, Del Potro, you always feel bad betting against him because he, I feel like he's everyone's favorite player. Just such a, sure. a kind-hearted guy. Clearly, you know, it's it's so fun to see so much talent, and it's always been so upsetting how many injuries he's had to deal with. But I would say FAA, of all of these guys in this little Delpo three-round three section, has shown the best form on clay of the group. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. I mean, at least like in 2019. Said, yeah. yeah, no, that, that's fair. I mean, you're, you're going up against Delpo, who hasn't been in his good form. Achenov, we've talked about his struggles um, many times, you know. <laughs> and then you talk about Pui, who's like you said, has been really up and down and more down than up after the Australian Open. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. FAA has been in the best form out of these guys, I think. And for Karen Kachinov, uh, you talked about his struggles, but we should say, I believe last year he made the third or fourth round of this tournament, so he is certainly, uh, if I'm looking right now, he made the fourth round of this tournament, made the fourth round here the year before as well. I feel like Kachinov's a guy who physically, even if he's not playing well, just because of how fit he is, three out of five sets will always benefit him, so not a guy you want to overlook. I mean, Luca Pui, the Frenchman, playing at home, you, there's always something to that, but uh, I believe the last semifinalist to make, uh, or uh, last male semifinalist who was French at the French Open was Gael Monfils in like 2012, 2011. So not sure if he's going to be able to follow up his Australian Open performance here. I guess of all of the seeds we've mentioned, and you know we haven't really talked about that top half with Dominic Team and Tommy Paul yet, or Kyle Edmund. Uh, who do you have on upset alert in this section? I think Kyle Edmund. Um, I think. <laughs> No, really. I mean, 
granted you and I talked about this before the pod. It's always difficult. Like when you look at the seeds, like, yeah, the people who are in the high twenties are going to be more on upset alert probably. But I mean, if you look at his, his first couple of rounds are pretty dangerous. You got Shardy. And if he gets, even if he gets through that one, he's probably got Cuevas Mm -hmm. um, waiting for him. That's a very dangerous matchup on the clay. And so I think, I think Edmund at the very least is going to have two really tough matches if he gets through both. Look, the only guy who might have had worse form in 2019 than Kyle Edmund is Jeremy Chardy, who just cannot buy a win, it feels like, this year. What is he, like 1 in 10 or something crazy? Um, so that, that if, in terms of the uh, the draw gods, I suppose Edmund should be happy about that first round. Yeah, just so you know, for reference. Oh, man. For Jeremy Chardy, 12 and 13 in 2019. Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, he beat Gasquet, what, like last week? Two weeks six, ago, whenever six, Rome one, was? 4 six, six, three in Rome. He also beat Schwartzman, like, the week before that in Madrid. So, yeah, it's been up and down, but, I mean, he has some good clay court wins. Schwartzman, Ramos Vinolas. I don't know. Yeah, I guess he just had a really brutal start. Look at this. Listen to this stretch he had during the season. First round losses to Medvedev, not bad. Berrettini, not bad. Giron, not bad. Uh, not good. Uh, Sonego. Um, and then, I mean, he lost, what, four straight first round matches, one of which was in a challenger. I mean, that's just brutal. Um, and then, yeah, Houston, he loses to Garen, 7-6 in the third. Monaco, he loses to Kukushkin in straights first round. Estrell, he loses around to 16 to Davidovich Fokina, who obviously has played quite well as of recently, but still just a rough year for Shardy. Yeah, I'm, you know, Kyle Edmund hasn't been playing that much better, so I don't hate that pick. What do you think of the Dan Evans-Verdasco match? I feel like that has think been for some explosion. Yeah, I think Verdasco comes in as the favorite. I mean, we actually have seen him play some pretty good tennis. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely the favorite for me, but I think this one is is one that I would earmark as a really, really fun first-round match. Um, Dan Evans, definitely still a question mark um, where he's at and what he's going to be able to do, especially on the clay when it comes into a match like this. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be one that hopefully I don't have to buy TC Plus for, say that. <laughs> which I probably will, let's be real. I mean, and I'm not going to. So. Are we, is French <laughs> I won't see all, it. Is it all tennis channels and not ESPN? Um, I don't know who all has all of it. I know Tennis Channel has, it, and then like NBC has it, but I don't know how deep. And remember, doesn't NBC always buy like, the weekends, the right? Yeah, yeah the they weekends. always get the end. Um, I don't know who has it. I think it's Tennis Channel. Um, uh, they were boasting about it on the ads, but maybe ESPN three could pick some of it up. I have no idea how they do it. I'm not trying to be bitter towards Tennis Channel. I just think it's. I I, yeah, well, uh, all right, I'll be muted. Yeah, but let's just say I think following on the the watch ESPN, because you can always get a free week trial, is a little bit easier than having to yeah, get definitely. tennis TV or whatever. But okay, a match I asked you to hold your thought on that we haven't talked about, first round match, and then we can do a little predictions uh, for this section. But Tommy, Paul, Dominic team, for Tommy to get this sort of draw... Uh, Jonathan Kelly texted me, you know, Jonathan Kelly on the rise tennis, mm-hmm. who we've talked to before, texted me and goes, you think it would have been better for Tommy to just come through qualifying? Well, I mean, I don't know when you see this draw, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you, I mean, yeah, I mean, Hey, look, you get a draw, you draw Dominic team first round after getting that wild card like that. That's awful. That's such a slap in the face. I um, know. And it's, yeah, any, <laughs> any chance for an upset alert there? I mean, Tommy, We've seen what he's capable of when he plays his best tennis, but Dominic Team is playing his best tennis coming into this tournament, and he's number four in the world for a reason. Yeah, I mean, Team heavy, heavy, heavy favorite in this. I mean, not only the surface, the experience, just all of it is is really insane. But I mean, you think about it, we've seen Team sort of fizzle out 
in majors and in big tournaments before. So I guess if you're Tommy Paul, that's kind of what you're keeping in the back of your mind. You're thinking, you know, hey, you know, he's not always on fire. He's not always U.S. Open beating Nadal 6-0 in an opening set, um, Dominic team. Uh, But, yeah, no, it's this is difficult. This is a tough one to swallow. When I saw the draw come out, I was like, oh, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I would have loved to see Tommy get the opportunity uh, oh, for sure. to, to get an unseeded player first round, maybe a crack yeah. at a lower seed in the second. Another quick match I'm interested in, though, that Rudolf Mulliker, I believe he's an 18-, 19-year-old German versus Sasha Bublik, who I think is one of the most erratic players you can see. I think he's won like seven challenger titles this year, but the guy hits like 20 aces and 15 double faults a match. He's a slapper. He's a drop shot. I just think both of those players, it's a, it's a nice contrast of style. It will be a fun uh, second-round matchup for Dominic team. But, okay, assuming – well, I guess first I'll ask you the, the question to make a pick. This section of the draw, give me your quarterfinalists and then who's going to advance to the semis. I think it's easier for me to work backwards. So yeah. I think I think team comes out of this, especially because, you know, if you look at his path, once again, just like I'm talking about Zverev here, I mean, really, who has he got until maybe he runs into a, what, a Monfi or Verdasco for following the seeds there? Yeah. You know, that's that's just not that difficult to get into that quarterfinal match for a guy uh, of team's caliber, especially on the clay. I think when you're coming out of the bottom half, I, I would love to say Del Potro, but, man, I'm just not feeling it. I think he's got to come through too many tough matches to get through that. Um I would argue that instead that slot is going to be filled by either FAA or Hatchinoff. Ah. Um, yeah, I I would like to see it be Del Potro. I really would, but I, I just don't see it. I don't hate that. I mean, I don't hate it. I, I agree with everything you said there. Now, you look for uh, for Kachinov. He's probably happy that he didn't draw the team section, that he got that lower half of the quarter. Because he's got a you great draw. Yeah, you're like, look. Luca Pui, as good as he was in Australia, and yeah, he's rounded into form a little bit as we come down this home stretch. I believe he won a challenger in, um, I want to say Bordeaux a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, beat Mikhail Yimmer, obviously uh, Beret, who is in this draw as well. So he got a couple good wins there. Got a win over Chorich in Madrid. Ended up losing to Hurkacz, though, second round. Uh, you look at the Italian Open, he lost first round to an in-form Mar- uh, Berrettini, so you can give him an excuse there. But I cannot imagine Kachinov is threatened by that. Now, Steb is fine. Abdin, Beret, again, both fine. But if Kachinov, three out of five, he's got the weapons, obviously, to enter as the heavy favorite. I just don't know. You look for FAA. Yes, he plays the week before this, and all these guys are so incredibly physically fit, so you don't want to say that FAA is going to be tired come this weekend. But you look at his stretch. He's got Jordan Thompson. Then he's going to have to play a serve and volleyer in either Karlovich or Lopez, so you get a little bit of a lull there. But then to play any of the foursome of Nishioka, Mackie McDonald, Nikola Jerry, Juan Martin Del Potro, that'll take out, you know, the legs of any player that's just a tough that's going to be a tough third round match no matter who he ends up facing yeah I think Kachanov despite not having any success down this stretch this draw was perfect for him so I could definitely see him getting to that quarterfinal round I mean Dominic team has been so good I would love to see a little team uh Team Monfils action, hopefully a healthy Monfils in that fourth round as well, because that would be, I'm just asking for the seeds to hold, but that would just be some exciting tennis. 
I'm gonna probably take Dominic team. I agree with you. I just think yeah. he's been too good of late. He's just, I mean, I he's a defending finalist at this event. We've seen the players he's beaten on the clay in 2019, in 2018, just over these past couple of years. How good he is on the surface. But that leads me to my final question of this top half of the draw. And as I mentioned, I'm trying to keep these on the relatively short side. I will be doing a, a preview of the bottom half of the draw with Matt Stachowiak in a little bit as well. But you look at this top section, and we both seem to have. Djokovic versus Dominic team, and maybe that speaks to our lack of creativity, but it also speaks to the fact that these are the guys we've seen show the highest level of tennis week in, week out in a year with plenty of fluctuations in level from all of these top guys. In terms of getting to uh, having a Novak Djokovic Rafa Nadal final, which seems like that's the matchup that so many tennis fans want to see. You make a list of players before this tournament starts of guys who could disrupt that, make you know not let that happen. And you know Dominic Teams right up there on that list. Stefano Tsitsipas right up there on that list. Of course, Roger Federer right up there on that list. Now that being said. I happen to think Dominic Team is a particular has a particularly poor matchup in terms of game style with Novak Djokovic. I just think, you know, Team being uh, the one-handed backhand when he goes left his left or the lefty forehand of Nadal versus his one-handed backhand that allows him to really open up that uh, other half of the court with his backhand down the line. But I just think Djokovic is so uniquely built to handle any attacks at his backhand side that it's just a, and you know, the way he returns as well, it's just a particularly bad matchup for Dominic team. And that's why I think Djokovic has to be the prohibitive favorite to make the final on this top section of the draw. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, it's tough to make a case that anyone has a good matchup against Djokovic. Sure, you know, like sure, I, sure. I, it's Murray. tough to do that at all. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's difficult, especially just Djokovic does such a phenomenal job covering the court, turning that defense into offense, really just letting no free points go. Um, I think one thing that team has going for him is, look, he's beaten Djokovic on the surface and at big stages. So he knows he can do it. I think also, I mean, if he's hitting the ball big, that's how people have beaten Djokovic. You know, the people who have been able to come through, look at a Bavrinka 2015 at the French Open. He didn't do it by just grinding him down. I mean, he was absolutely crushing the ball. And team has the ability to do that as well. So if he's not worn down through whatever part of the draw that he has to get through, um, you know, I think he's got a shot. Like you said, it's always a tough matchup when it's Djokovic. But look, what was it? I mean, yeah, Djokovic beat team in the semis uh, in Madrid. But right before that, team beat Djokovic in Monte Carlo. You know, so they've gone back and forth. Um, I think one thing that's really interesting for team is he's going to have a ton of looks on Djokovic's serve because he stands so far back. I mean, Djokovic is great at holding serve, but he doesn't have a huge serve. I mean, he that's just the way he plays. Um, and so I think team's going to have a lot of opportunities in that regard, have a lot of points starting from neutral. So I think it's really going to be on team's racket. I think that's the good thing for him. But what's difficult is, hey, you're playing Novak in a slam. Rarely the favorite. Well, just a quick, and I, I'm not trying to be a d- I apologize, but it wasn't, he didn't beat Djokovic, he beat Nadal in Monte Carlo the week before or whatever, I think he said Djokovic, but yeah, he lost. No, Djokovic. he beat, he no, beat he Djokovic. Did, uh, he didn't, but it's okay. You can look it up if you want, but I promise you. Round of 16 in Monte Carlo, 6-7, 6-2, 6-3. Dude, I have it, I have their career head-to-head in front of me. It's not on there. So either the ATP is doing me dirty, or that match didn't happen. Either way, the point being, um, yeah, these guys have, 
you know, they played in Roland Garros quarterfinal 2017. Team took that match 7-6-6-3-6-0. You mentioned for Dominic Team the way he's able to go after the ball just at any point. That's obviously how he makes his opponents uncomfortable. Um, but again, just Novak Djokovic, like you said, he... If he's the hardest player in the world to hit off of the court because of how well he moves. I even would argue at this point in their careers, Dominic Team is more likely to hit a Rafa Nadal or a Roger Federer off of the court just because they're not able to move in that same way. But yeah, it's it's just it's awfully hard to pick against Novak Djokovic for obvious reasons. It seems like the only person who can beat him three out of five is an informed Nadal, and it's just. It's going to take a miraculous effort from Dominic Team, I suppose, to get over that final hump. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, well then, um, I mean, we're we're pretty much wrapped up on this. By the way, I saw, I know, I was thinking that it was 2018, so it did happen in the round of 16 of Monte Carlo, but it wasn't this year. So I think it was why. it was Monaco, right? Monaco 2018. No, no, it was it was um, no, it was Monte well, Carlo. Monaco Monte Carlo. That's right. Yeah, Sorry, same, yeah, 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 no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. same same tournament, just 2018. Okay. So we just had the say, years off. All right, see, so we're both winners. I can totally handle that. Um, Great. Yeah, exactly. Well, then, any final thoughts on this top half of the draw? No, I mean, I think this is absolutely studded. I'm I'm a little bit jealous that you get to talk through the bottom half with Stokoyak as well, because that's a ton of fun, especially that Tsitsipas and Vavrinka quarter. Mm, that's that's a lot of fun. Yeah, but, uh, then no. give me, no, give me your <laughs> give me your quick two cents then on that bottom half. I love oh, it. Oh, God. Well, let's just go with the, what, top quarter of the bottom half. Man, there is just so, there are just so many names in that, dude. I mean, for, you got Federer, Schwartzman, Chilich, Vavrinka, Tsitsipas, Tiafo. I mean, my God. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Dimitrov. Yeah. Well, I mean, Opelka dude, there are so many big names in there. Yeah, dude, there are so many good names in there. Yeah, well, I'm all in on that. Dude, we could have a potential Dem- Dimitrov Chilich second round match. Yeah, that's crazy. Granted, yeah. neither of them have been at their best. Recently, yeah, honestly, who's played better in 2019? I don't know. That's literally the, the exact, you know, like fire and ice for the Game of Thrones. I suppose Grigor Dimitrov is the epitome of tennis handsomeness, and Marin Chilich is the epitome of not tennis handsomeness. So it'll be wow, that's interesting. Pretty rude. Yeah, I say that. Look, as a fellow eyebrow uh, wearer, I, I understand where Chilich is coming from. Uh, but yeah, Jamie. Thank you, as always. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. A- again, uh, you kind of talked a little bit about that bottom half. you want to throw in a French Open winner while we're at it? Oh, come on. It's got to be Nadal. You got to <laughs> say it. You got to say it. You're not going to take Djokovic? I feel like we just went through this whole thing of why Djokovic, three out of five on clay, impossible to beat at this point. I mean, Nadal just beat him. You know? <laughs> that was two he out of three, just though. just beat him. He's got eleven French Opens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, come on, yeah, you got to You got to root for the story here. I love it. Well, for our listeners who want to check out, uh, you'll be back on, I assume, throughout the week. Oh yeah. All right. Well, thank you as always. Then to you, Jamie. Thank you to our super producers, Max Lingner and Daniel Westoff, who really will have a f-ing editing job to do all week long as we try to keep you listeners up to date with all of the most recent French Open events. But that being said, for my wonderful co-host James Foster McDonald, for our super producers Max Lingner and Daniel Westoff, and from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host Alex Gruskin. Jamie, what do we tell the listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all throughout this French Open. Thanks, everyone.